When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, everybody. On the alert. Here goes. This is a My Talk Dirt Alert update. A quick look at what's happening in entertainment. So much dirt. On My Talk. My Talk. Well, this is going to be juicy. Uh, this Dirt Alert is brought to you by Domino's. At one time, actor Charlie Sheen was making over a million dollars per episode for his work on Two and a Half Men, and now he's claiming he can't afford child support payments. According to People in Us Weekly, uh, Charlie Sheen filed... Hello there, good afternoon. It's the uh, Thursday, Lori and Julia show on My Talk 1071, everything entertainment. Thank you so much for joining us. It's going to warm up for the weekend after last night when you... Almost needed a blanket. Oh, it was freezing. <laughs> it was. I was like, holy October. What's it was going freezing. on? Four degrees. <laughs> Is that what it was? Yeah. yeah it's a little chilly. Wow. They told us, the weather people did say, it's yeah. going to be cold. Donnie, it, it must have been one of your coldest birthdays ever for an August 1st birthday. You're like, yeah, you're uh, probably right. You know, yeah. you and I and Julia with our summer birthdays, yeah. Yeah. we can pretty much count on nice weather. <laughs> you know, yeah, that was a cold one. Yeah. Good thing you didn't have any outdoor plans. Yeah, good thing indeed. Yes. Um, okay, Julia, I did something I've not done for quite a while in the morning. Cried, cried actual tears watching the Sarah Haynes View ABC goodbye reel to her. This was her last day on The View. She's one of my favorites, ABC contributors. Yes. She's going to do the fourth hour with uh, Michael Strahan, a little air at noon. But it struck me, um, I mean, I never get verklempt about somebody like leaving. But she is, she's been very endearing the two or three years that Mm -hmm. she's been on. And Mm -hmm. she's worn the most hairstyles. She's had the most babies. She's had the babies. I loved the, I forgot about the one where they had the whole audience was pregnant ladies and they surprised her with her parents. Yes, and then that they was surprised so her on a birthday with Tiffany coming out and singing, I think we're alone now, mm-hmm. which was her rock star song, like when she was in eighth grade or whatever. It was just a really sweet package. You could tell that the producers at The View liked her, adored her. Yeah. It was, I mean, Sonny Hostin was crying. Sarah Haynes was crying. And of course, she's staying with ABC, but it was just, it was really sweet. It was really sweet. So, did they say who's replacing her? I can't remember. remember, It just, when they come back in September, they'll just do the rollout, they'll do the introduction of whomever. How was Megan McCain? um, She was. 
stony-faced. Uh, okay. Joy made a crack. She said, well, uh, uh, Megan and I are the two witches who don't cry. And then would, Oh, I heard that. And Whoopi goes, well, what does that make me? <laughs> <laughs> but, a witch that um, cries. Because one of the stories uh, that was out there with both Page Six and the Daily Mail was that Sarah um, was intrigued with the new times that you would have with uh, this ABC show with doing a lot of taping oh, it's of ta- things. Yes. Okay, but also that she found Megan McCain to be exhausting as a co-worker because they've just been co-workers for like a year and she was complimentary to all the ladies, but her energy and some of the things, uh, the, the pre-show meetings that sure. The View has on what are the topics that yeah. I guess it would get heated there. Mm-hmm. And it used to be a not... That's why we quit doing them, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Anyway, yeah. so, you know, she, you Did couldn't she, tell. But, but, but I thought if they do, uh, I don't know that Megan McCain would get that kind of a goodbye. No. Plus, she's, she's only a, been... But she's an ABC... Contributor. Talent. Yeah, she, she is a long term contract yeah. with ABC. So they, you know, want to paint her. And she's good. Other people that have left, like, remember the um, Jeb, Jedabaya or yeah, Jebediah? Jebediah. She just announced she was leaving. I mean, that's usually when they don't renew a contract, but she's just going on to ABC. It was right. cute. It was really cute. That's cute. Did you watch uh, The no. Real Housewives of New York oh, City? Oh, yes, I did. I watched The Boat Ride. I. Now, when you talk about exhausting, here's my thoughts. That was the one and done for the year. Okay. Um, I took notes. Mm-hmm. Here are my notes. Mm-hmm. Um, I It opens up when they're in Cartagena, uh, Colombia. Cartagena. And they're sitting at a brunch table, and everyone's coming up after the evening of uh, half of them heavy drinking. And I'm watching the ladies just bitch at each other. Just, you did this, you did that, you did that. And they're all in white this bikinis. Is, this has been the vacation from hell. Yeah. This is our third episode that we had in Cartagena. Oh, but I watched the staff is all just standing there. Oh, their faces Quietly watching oh, these privileged, privileged women with too much Botox, too many boob jobs, too many <laughs> fake things that stay up. And they're just staring at them going like crazy. Like species. And I'm like... It was amazing to me this this what we're seeing from Bethany Frankel. Oh, please! Is she's a pain in the butt? But it's perimenopausal hormonal breakdown. Is it, what it's we're very seeing. ugly when it goes untreated. Yes. I can speak from experience, and so That's, can probably everyone here. But but you don't know it. Like right. she's just uncontrollably crying. It's almost like a teenage girl or something. And I'm like, oh, Bethany. Perimenopausal hormones are getting you, girl. A big time. And last night she tweeted in conjunction, right as the boat episode ended, because we did see um, Bethany hold Carol's hair, and she had spent most of the time in Cartagena crying to her about why isn't our friendship strong anymore. Very unusual for Bethany. But this is what she tweeted, because last week Carol Radzowell said she's, was choosing to leave? Oh, yeah. The Real Housewives right. of New York? And wife. she's going to be ex- thrilled to be away from her frenemies. Yes, to leave her frenemies Yeah, and people behind. were mad that she didn't leave quietly, that she was stinging. Well, well, here's what Bethany tweeted last night. One cast member saying they chose to depart and attributing it to me as fiction. It's healthier to be truthful about a hard situation, which I will read between the lines on that. And she's saying Carol was... Her contract was up with Bravo, and she was leaving anyway. They weren't renewing it because Carol is not important to the New York Housewives storyline. 
Bethany is the only real housewife of all of the people that have been on who's chosen to leave and chosen to come back. Do you think she'll come back again next year after the season? No, Bethany. I, I don't know, know what Carol's her contract gone. is. You know, I don't. We don't know if she but, signed I mean, a one you... year or two year. It depends on what she yeah. signed. Um, so she's uh, and Dorinda. She talks. Her voice is so deep, but she's just like Dorinda's oh, a drinker. She drinks so much. She does. But and, anyway, she is um, just basically that tweet is just saying that she was you know fire, fired slash see, not the, renewed. Yeah, and that's just a bitchy tweet. Again, perimenopausal Jeez. treatments are, are uh, hormones are flaring for Bethany, and yep. it makes you an uber bitch. I mean, she's she is. I could not be around her. She would be she the friend exhausting. that you'd break up with completely because she always it's always something. Yeah, but how about that boat ride? Oh, that oh, looked man. terrible. How about that the outfits like, that they were wearing? Well, again, everything I- was white. <laughs> boobs out the countess has a banging body i'm gonna say that oh yeah my gosh she? she's like well remember donnie when she came in is she 510 and 511 oh bethany no the um, countess oh, the yes, countess yes, when quite, she yes, came quite in tall, quite she, tall yeah. i was like really shocked yeah. at what uh uh like she seems like she could you know ride horses parasail be a paddleboarder be on a volleyball team mm-hmm. like she would be your late go skiing with she yeah. just has a very athletic Build, build. She really does. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm. Um. I did it for for the, the, show. Show, for the show, and I'm and I'm Good done. For you. you know what I did for the show? Yeah, She's what? like, here's what Carol read. Yeah. Well, how she described Bethany. She's like a 12 year old kid losing a family member. You know. Well, I will say though, because you didn't watch Bethany and Frederick, Carol and Bethany have been super tight. Oh, I know they were. But I don't think you do know how they were because you don't ever watch any of the shows. But um, like when Bethany did the Frederick thing, she and Carol, they traveled together because they were both single. And Carol was very sweet to her about the whole Jason thing. They've been buddies. So whatever happened, Bethany has hurt feelings on top of perimenopausal symptoms. Mm -hmm. And Carol is past perimenopausal symptoms, probably taking her progesterone, testosterone, and estrogen. She's balanced and zen, and she really is sick of maybe what a high-maintenance friend Bethany might be. That's my take on it. Well, I was thinking, so Bethany's had... Lots of breakups because she had the Jill Zarin breakup. That's those. That's really yeah. the only other one. And well, she broke up with her husband. She met and broke up with her husband. You can't. You can't yeah. count that. All right, but you think that everyone else likes Bethany? I do. I do. do? I okay. think that she and Bethany something happened, and I don't know what it is, but they have been tight. And I'm talking like for like four or five years. Mm-hmm. So it's a real grief that bethany has yeah. about losing a friend again and you, why would you be on that show if you didn't have to why would you be on any reality show if you didn't have to well i wish you could see i i enjoyed last oh. night's episode immensely you need to get lighter on how you feel about it but you never I will i don't want to watch people yelling at each other no, it's not okay. my thing yeah don't. yeah well i mean that's the drama that we're Looking for right. on that um, you're looking for that, that, other, looking, that a lot of people yeah, yeah I, that's I'm the not Bravo into it. recipe that, that doesn't do it for me stir the pot if you've got somebody being boring you're off the show Mm-mm. remember how many people they've kicked off in New York for being oh, yeah. boring one year and done one and done right one and done all right listen I'd um, never make it I know I <laughs> never I don't even think I could make it through one taping of one episode because the eighty hours goes into the taping of one episode yeah oh. Julia, I'd be so burnt out. I think if someone offered you a million dollars, I totally think that you would make time. 
Oh. That was your contract. Don't even lie to us. I don't know. Admit that, it. I, that show would be a really million dollars. A million dollars for two and a half months of your life. You're going to tell me no, Donnie? Are you going to do it? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just <laughs> that yeah. one. You, you, it's exploding offer. You have two and a half months. <laughs> All right, right I have to do it. Okay, okay thank you very thanks. much because you've got two kids still left in college. Yeah. That's the uh, only reason you're saying that. Turn it. <laughs> Listen, we come back. It's our story. We can't get. Just be careful, Love ain't simple, Promise me no promises. All right, Julia, I have promised Alexis Thompson that we will watch Making It Again next week on NBC with Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman. Just, I thought you hated it. Why well, would you try it again? Well, you have to try it. I will try it. For one. I and w- then I will try it with my felt hair and my penny eyes and my block of wood and my my glue gun. And I will just try and get more with the program and not do anything. Pay attention. Well, do you have to pay attention to that? When well, you were describing how you iron and watch TV, I read. Watch, watch TV. TV. Yeah, that I, do I that don't. Too. I like. I don't like to do that. Well, there's so many books. Yeah, I know. I, I've been reading a lot this summer. I know. Okay, oh. and then the other, the show I did watch this morning that was on last night on USA, The Sinner. Amazing. I can't wait. I'm watching that tonight. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Carrie Coon. It's such a twist at the end of the first episode already. It's a twist right away at the beginning, okay, all right. and then a twist right away and that's at the on end. And USA Je- Network. Yes, and Jessica Biel, you know, was nominated for lead actress or in a limited series for an mm-hmm. Emmy this uh, fall, and she's executive producing it. But Bill Pullman, the detective that solved how did Jessica Biel's character seemingly just like you Go know kill somebody he, yes. in broad daylight? Right. Figuring that out now, Last there's a new puzzle. There's a new I can't murder wait. mystery. It was really good. And the other show, I have to say, Casey and I just watched one episode. We were supposed to go out dancing last night, but Julia, I... I, I, I know, you left here. I hope I can talk him out of it. I, Julia, I am exa- I was exhausted from the month of July. I just got worn out. <laughs> I just... The 4th of July, my birthday, concerts, yeah. my mom coming, going oh, to my... Oh. I, I, I hit the wall last night. My mom says, I've never heard... You must be getting older. I've oh. never heard you say you Because remember, wall. you're no longer, longer a spring, spring chicken. chicken. <laughs> I believe the phrase your mom used was long in the tooth. Long in the tooth. Oh. She used that one on me. Anyway, Anyway, going out dancing tonight. Casey's nervous. He's going to forget his East Coast swing moves no. that he learned. So you got to go get it muscle memory. Well, we're just going to go tonight. Yeah. We're yeah. So I just needed. I just have been on the go. You know how that is. You know I, how you just will hit the this wall. This has been my summer. Yeah. Yep. On the go. We've been just like too much fun as it always is. You and I always say this is our time of the year when we might gain a little weight because yep. there's more drinking and chipping. Yep. God, I love so what did you watch? I love the chips. I watch Castle Rock with oh, Casey. Oh, yes, What's yes. Castle Rock? On Hulu. That's on Hulu. Okay. It's, it's the a, it's, Stephen King. It's based on his characters. And it's, it's sort of bringing in a Shawshank, Shawshank storyline. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house 
to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Involved, yes. Um, I don't know what other stories, but it was Would I like that, Lori? Yeah, it was. Would I like that, Lori? Uh, uh, no. I don't know, but she really? likes the scent, the, the... Yeah, but this is... See... I'm already at three episodes in, even though Hulu says it's only one per week. Yeah. But I looked on my iPad. It had it. All right. It already has four episodes posted. Well, it was good. It was good. I mean, it's a mystery. Which was better, The Sinner or Castle Rock? Oh, they're very different. They're, well, aren't they? Not really. I mean, The Sinner has more in common with Stephen King than you would think because of the mystery of the death and what happens and the unraveling. So I would say they're, you know, which one similar? Do you think would be? You will go with The Sinner. All right, perfect. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Go with The Sinner. And then if you need a show, wait till we're all done. I don't. I feel like I. You, you know, I've got the book, the half-written books for yeah, when I retired, right. and I've got the half-washed shows. Yeah, I'm going to be so busy. You're going to be so busy. I have to live time 150. Okay, so this morning, I had to laugh at GMA had this urgent alert. It was an exclusive story at like 8.15. Oh, yeah. About. Primetime. Brazilian butt lifts. Let's roll the audio, Donnie. Thanks to celebs like Nicki Minaj and Kim Kardashian, voluptuous booties are in. But the American Society of Plastic Surgeons has a new and urgent warning about the large number of deaths they say occur during a procedure called the Brazilian butt lift. According to the society, as many as 1 in 3,000 patients die, making this potentially more dangerous than any other cosmetic surgery. You have an increase in number of doctors who are attempting to perform this procedure. And unfortunately, a lot of these doctors are not board certified. The Brazilian butt lift is meant to make a rear more shapely. It basically combines liposuction with fat grafting, sucking fat from where you don't want it, like the thighs or stomach, and injecting it where you do. But when performed improperly, there's a risk of a fatal fat embolism. Some surgeons are injecting a little bit too deep. There's some important veins that bring blood from the lower aspect of the legs back into the heart, into the lungs. 29-year-old West Virginia mom Heather Meadows came to Miami for a Brazilian butt lift in 2016. She never made it out of surgery. The same happened to 40-year-old Kizzy London in 2017, also in Miami. Patients should look for a plastic surgeon who's board certified by the American Board of Plastic Surgery. Okay. So that was this Beverly Hills plastic board certified plastic surgeon. And uh, then here's Dr. Jen Ashton, which is ABC's medical expert. Here's what she has to say. And Dr. Jen Ashton is going to join us to talk. This is extremely serious. This is a big deal, Robin. So I want to put this into context with you. This is the actual warning that came out this week from five international plastic surgery societies. They title it an urgent warning. We spoke to a plastic surgeon this week who said a warning like this is unprecedented. They are considering even banning the procedure because the risk of intraoperative death, this means death on the table, is so high. And to put that into context for you, we heard in the piece one in 3,000. There have been studies done 
done for elective plastic surgical procedures that look at over a million patients. The risk of dying on the table is zero. This procedure is more common, more popular. It's up 10% in just the last year. So this is a big deal. So, you know, there are going to be some people who are going to want to take the risk. What do you, what do you suggest? So this is something the onus of responsibility has to be on the surgeon to counsel that there is a higher risk of death in this procedure. Patients need to do the following things. Absolutely go to a board-certified plastic surgeon. They do need to consider alternative procedures and techniques. There's something new called electromagnetic sculpting that mm -hmm. is non-invasive that can kind of stimulate the muscles. And then good old exercise, the Robin. Squats, Just squats, do those squats, squats, drop it like it's hot, and keep it down and oh, build those <laughs> what, what is the one that closed? That is my medical advice. Yeah, the doctors are being too aggressive, injecting the fat from your stomach too deep into your butt. Jeez. And you need those veins to bring fat to your heart and lungs. So, yeah, it was like really, whoa. That's shocking. Yeah. And, you know, it You've reminds me like of a nip tuck episode. Yeah, doesn't Going it? Going to Florida, get yeah. the Boboli instead of Botox Absolutely. and all the crazy. Now a trend has emerged. This is the My Talk Now trending report. What's happening right now? Turning online this afternoon, James Baldwin, the essayist, novelist, and playwright, was born on this day in 1924. People are remembering his memory by sharing quotes and essays and uh, some of the great work that James Baldwin did while he was here. Also trending National Coloring Book Day. Also trending Top Gun Maverick. As in casting news for that movie, apparently Glenn Powell might be in the movie after all. According to exclusive reports from The Hollywood Reporter, the Set It Up actor is in negotiations to join the movie. He initially auditioned for the role of Goose's son, but lost out to actor Miles Teller. Also trending right now would be Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher. Well, she's all over the place talking about her movie, The Spy Who Dumped Me. And she says that she knew she married the right man when Ashton Kutcher suggested that they appear together as a couple on The Bachelorette. True love. <laughs> okay, that's sweet. Oh, that's what's trending here at my talk. All right, your forecast is brought to you by Skin Rejuvenation Clinic. Uh, clear sky, 60 for the low tonight. It should be partly sunny for the most part. And warm enough, 85 tomorrow. Right now, uh, let's call it cloudy and uh, 68 here at my talk. Now you know what we know. See more at mytalk1071.com. She loves everybody. She's coming for you. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, we are delighted. Paul Trembley, the uh, author, is joining us for his latest book called The Cabin at the End of the World. Hi, Paul. How Hi, are Paul. you? Hey, how are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm doing great. Good. Okay, so, Paul, you have to tell us, before we get into the setup of the novel, you have to tell us how you um, have become, like, whatever, buddies with Stephen King. Is that fair to say? <laughs> Um, sure. Okay. I mean, but it's, you know, I've never met him in person, but, you know, we do exchange emails and, you know, and he's been a, a big supporter of my stuff, which is still very surreal. Like every once in a while, I'll walk around the house and go, oh, Stephen King actually likes my stuff. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, it, it happened really quickly, sort of randomly. Uh, not that I have the date memorized, August 19th, 2015. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, a really good date. <laughs> yeah. No, he uh, he happened to read A Head Full of Ghosts, and I didn't know that he was reading it, and he just tweeted about it. He tweeted that the book scared the living hell out of him, um, and, as, and he's not easy to scare. So uh, it was funny. My friends saw the tweet before I did, and my phone started going crazy. Um, and I'm not ashamed to admit that I got emotional when I saw that, I mean, because I, 
I became a reader, never mind a writer, because of Stephen King. So. Really? Yeah, yeah, I mean... So that... I Okay, what is the name of that book that made I, uh, his I head... Had, what's it called? A Head Full of Ghosts. Yeah, it's called A Head Full of Ghosts. Uh, that was sort of my first of these three horror novels that I've come out since uh, 2015. Is, is that the one you won, the Bram Stoker? It is, yes. Okay, and mm-hmm. so... And he just... I, lo- I mean, because, like, um, two of the three of us here are, like, huge Stephen King fans. I mean... That I just was really fascinated just to get that story from you because I mean he for him to compliment somebody's writing would just like you know just make you go oh my gosh I can't believe it I, no, I've absolutely. reached the pinnacle yeah no I mean he's such a gracious and uh, you know he reads widely and if you do follow his Twitter he's yes. always talking about other people's books so I did I, know, I think that's how we learned yeah. about your book the cabin oh, at the end of the world was that he tweeted something about it and right. it might have been in People magazine now just tell people describe the cabin at the end of the world because this is sure. different from if they've read some of your other what you would call the horror scary right. book. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so this book opens with uh, Wen, and Wen is uh, seven going on eight, uh, and she is the Chinese adopted daughter of two dads, Andrew and Eric, uh, and they're sort of Boston urbanites, and they've purposefully rented a cabin that's fairly remote in northern New Hampshire, you know, so no Wi-Fi, no mm-hmm. cell phones, because I have to have a horror story. Right, <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> uh, while Wen is out in front just catching grasshoppers, this big, huge stranger named Leonard shows up. You know, he's a young man, but he's really large. But despite his size, you know, he's charismatic and sort of gets her talking, and he starts, pl- you know, helping her catch the grasshoppers. And then, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes later, these three other strangers show up, and they don't look as friendly. They're carrying sort of like these weird homemade... Uh, would appear to be weapons, and uh, as Wen runs into the house to get her dad's, Leonard says to Wen, uh, "You have to let us in the the cabin because we need your help to uh, help prevent the end of the world." Um, and then things sort of spiral out from there. And yeah. what is the question? Because I mean, there's a lot that we don't want to say because sure. would, to give it up. But when you when you've been out on your book readings, I mean, what is the question that everybody asks you? about the cabin at the end of the world? <laughs> well, I mean, I've had readers since when they finish the book have question about the ending, sort of. But, uh, yeah. yeah, it's been a little bit tricky to talk about it without spoiling it too much. You know, I have been saying that it's sort of my take on the home invasion story. Yes. Which, in a weird way, uh, is my least favorite horror subgenre. Um, you know, there are some movies that I do like, like, you know, even like the classic Wait Until Dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that Audrey Hepburn, right? Yes. Um, so, but that was actually sort of what excited me about the book. It was like, oh, how, how would I do a, a home invasion story that I would want to sit through? Um, you make it as terrifying and as <laughs> suspenseful and tense as possible, which you do do. Well, thank you. <laughs> Where did you, how did you even come up with this idea, though? Are you a parent? I am a parent, yes. Um, and actually, I'm going through the horrifying process of starting the process of searching for colleges for my oldest. Oh, oh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a nightmare. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was funny. I, I got a little bit lucky with the story idea. I was actually, I had gone to a literary festival in Los Angeles, and I had sent my editor like a 30-page summary of a, a different novel idea, and she didn't like it, mm-hmm. uh, which was fine, actually, because by the time I wrote it and sent it to her, I wasn't fully on board with it either. Right. So I was on the plane, and I was like, I need to come up with another idea, and uh, you know, I keep little like writing notebooks with me, and it's usually just to jot down ideas, and... I was on the plane, and I looked down, and I wasn't even paying attention to what I was doing, and I drew a little cabin. Um, and when I say I drew a cabin, it was a rectangle with a V on top of it, right. because I can't draw very well. Uh-huh. But uh, 
when I looked at that, it made me instantly think of the home invasion sort of subgenre, and I just sort of spiraled out from there. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting. Um, I don't know. It seems like this year more than ever, and I don't know if there's a correlation. I'd be curious what your thoughts are, but, you know, so the world... And, you know, everything in America, it seems so divided and there's yeah. all this tension. And and it seems like more than ever this year, we've had suspenseful, thrilling, post-apocalyptic. We've kind of had like a lot of good, scary books yeah. that people have really been drawn to. Sure. I mean, I think you sort of hit the nail on the head. I mean, I think, you know, regardless of whatever sort of political side you fall on, you know, everyone's feeling, you know, socio-political anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, what's, what, what news can be trusted, what information can be trusted. And I, I certainly play with that, hopefully without getting too didactic. Yes. I certainly play with that in the novel. Yeah, you do. Because uh, this isn't, um, again, not a spoiler, but, you know, the invaders have sort of their, you know, they sort of have their mission, and it's, you know, it's left ambiguous as to whether their mission is actually rooted in reality or, or, or even rooted in, and a supernatural sort of thing. And, uh, you know, sort of what I've done with my other two horror novels, you know, I, I sort of play that, uh, I play that ambiguous supernatural element really through the whole book. Uh, and I may or may not tell you one way or the other, you know, I sort of leave it to the reader to decide, you know, if something supernatural is happening or not. Right. Um, and then are any of your, Books have they been op- optioned by Hollywood? I mean, are they? We just like I know the TV Critics Association mm-hmm. is going on, and like mm-hmm. Justin Cronin is on the panel today, and he started, you know, the Passage. Oh, That's like gosh, ten or yes. twelve years ago. Yep. That's going to be a series. Anything like that happening with any of your books? Uh, yes, actually. Uh, so, I, I, uh, the Cabinet at the End of the World was actually optioned like six months before it was published, which was very exciting. Oh my uh, gosh! Did yeah. you get an exploding offer? We're talking with Paul Tremblay. <laughs> the book is the cabin at the end of the world yeah. did yeah. you get into what they call an exploding offer um geez i'm not sure no i don't i don't they know call you and they offer. say paul you yeah. have five minutes to decide a million dollars no 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 okay. no exploding offer okay. uh, but i did get to meet the two uh the two gentlemen who are working on the screenplay this summer uh and i'm super excited because you know they, they've been asking for my input but uh i think a head full of ghosts is certainly closer that that's been optioned for about three years okay um and it's focus features with Robert Downey Jr.'s production company that are working oh. on it. Um, and they hired a director er, in late winter, Osgood Perkins, uh, who is the son of Anthony Perkins. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, so no, uh, I'm super, you know, knock on wood, something might actually start happening with that later in the year. Well, yeah. good for you. Do you have, um, you know, we have a question, Paul, that we ask all of our authors. Uh-huh. What was the last great book that you read? What was the last great book I read? I, I would recommend, because it's maybe a little bit off the beaten path for some readers, uh, it's called Things We Lost in the Fire by Mariana Enriquez. Um, and it's a short story collection. She's Argentinian, and this was her first full work, mm-hmm. um, or first full book, excuse me, translated to English. And it's just an amazing you know, short story collection. A wide range of stories, too. I mean, most of them tend to go uh, you know, to the dark or horrific. But, yeah. Um, uh, it reminds me, she reminds me a lot of sort of a Shirley Jackson. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I've been recommending that book everywhere I go. Well, I, oh. and of course, we can never forget that some of Stephen King's greatest um, movies or that were short stories. Have yep. been, Shawshank Redemption and Stand By Me were short stories. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I, think I just read somewhere he has like a hundred, over a hundred things in in production right now. Oh, my gosh. That is Isn't really that something. crazy? Well, Paul... 
If you uh, ever come to the Twin Cities, I hope you can come by our studio. We're big readers here in Minnesota. And, of course, well, all around the world, I'm sure people are listening to us right now. (laughs) (laughs) No, I would be happy to. I've never been to Minnesota, so yeah. Yeah, you've got to come here. And best of luck. Keep writing. You're a terrific uh, writer. This book is called The Cabin at the End of the World, and now we have to read A Head Full of Ghosts. (laughs) Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Okay, thanks, Paul. Thanks so much. Listen, we come back. Uh, we got Hey everybody, thanks for hanging out with us. Well, he was about the nicest uh, guy that Paul Tremblay on the book. Uh, I don't. I think this is like his fifth book, the fifth Six. or sixth yeah. book, The Cabin at the End of the World. Right. I loved reading it until I got to the end. I hated everything about this. <laughs> I feel like we're Siskel and Ebert right now. It's not your kind of no, book. No, it doesn't even matter, Donnie. But Donnie, I loved Every, I mean, it was a page turner. Okay, oh. this, the, these, these four, these four people. They think they're saving the world, yeah, yeah. and yeah. they give this couple and their daughter a choice of something they have to do. And many terrible, terrible things happen. And then by the time you get to the end, the book ends with what they like to say in Bookland. An ambiguous ending. No, I'll I'll tell you what it Which ended means with. It's up to you <laughs> no. to decide. Well, you know, but it doesn't even end. It's like they forgot to publish the last two chapters. But it's an ambiguous ending. It's it's completely left up to you. But you agree. That I it was, like books that I don't like books that end with a whimper nothing. or right. I don't really But ch- I will say that quite a few of Stephen King book King's books also end with ambiguous I, endings. I know, and it's and up that's to why you s- to figure out. But what but he didn't. Yes. But in no, this and book, that is true. That is okay, true. That's about fine. Stephen but King. in this book, I knew you would not like this book because the minute I started reading it, I, I had it read to me. I I did like Audible. I paid twenty dollars. Would be a terrible book, book to have read to you because horrible. of so many terrible I things happening in it. I hated every yeah. minute of it. And, and the then, minute I started reading uh, this in Montana last Saturday, uh, when I had a moment to myself on the dock in the quiet in the sun, and I got like maybe twenty pages in, and I just. I wanted. I, just, to, I wanted to send you a text and say, but I didn't have Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to say okay. to you, of all the times not to read a book, this, this is, is the, the book for yep. you to skip because I knew you would hate it. It's to Stephen King. But I've read. I read one Stephen King. I read 1963. You know, yes, that, but that's yeah, different. That's, that's not scary. Like this could be a Stephen King story. It's, if but. But I feel okay so as a dark. reader. As a reader, um, but you, this is not your kind of. This is I not your cup that. of tea. And it I will understand never that. Be. And I understand that. But the the part of it that pissed me off, quite frankly, because you paid twenty dollars, I had to pay, and then you spent all your time, and you could have been listening to some other this horrid, book. horrible book with no ending, and you, and it's it didn't violent. solve. You didn't like the violence. Well, I it know. didn't solve any of the questions that it started to ask. Like there were seven unsolved questions. It's yes. It, I mean, answer one of them. Were the people, people really having visions? Right. Were they really saving what were the, the flashbacks? World? Was yeah. the guy? What was the? I mean, it didn't solve one thing. And when it ended, I just was like, okay. "That sucks." Wow. I left Jeez. mine in the. I finished it on the plane flying home from Montana. If anyone wants mine, call me. I left it in the <laughs> pocket of the plane. So for someone else to read the horrible book. Yes. Yeah. But I didn't mean to. Right. But I, when I got to the end, oh, and did I, you just shut it? I went. 
And Casey goes, well, you finally you got your nose out of that book. And I just said, well, it had an ambiguous ending. And he goes, oh, I hate those. I do, too. I feel like I'm ripped <laughs> but, off. But yet he, you know, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Well, it was very suspenseful, but it brings you through hell and back. And doesn't tell you story, why. And then at the end, you don't have resolution. So to anything. You, and if you don't like a Stephen King novel, this is not your book. Well, I would like to recommend to you, Lori, that you read Stephen King's most recent called The Outsider. Yeah, I've heard that's really okay, good. Okay, I just got a text really, from really someone good. who wants my book, so she oh, can okay. have it. She can Give have it, it and read yeah. it. And, um, and, and hate I'm it, I'm going to read Paul Tremblay, A Head Full of Ghosts, because like, he's, you know, didn't you love a Stephen King story? That that was so sweet that he right. knew the date that Stephen... Right, August 8th, 19th, my sister's yeah, birthday, that's, that's 2015. Pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. cute. That's Everyone, cute. Uh, you know, if you have something like that happen that big, you remember the date. Well, and that's why when I asked him that question, what does everyone ask you? I bet at the book readings, that is the number one thing. But I wanted him to say it because right. I didn't want us to have to go off on it. But of course, people are standing up and just either they absolutely loved how it ended or Not they many. absolutely were this- like... I want my money back. Well, this one, people, you know, are saying, I love Paul, but come on, too slow uh, and anticlimactic, incomplete. Yeah. yeah. Worst ending ever. All Nothing right. to like a terrible ending. Well, anyway, All right, let's read move it for along. yourself. Okay. Let's move along. Let's move along to Lisa Marie Presley. Because oh. the divorce battle with her future ex-husband, Who was Michael a loser. Lockwood. My gosh, they've been separated for like three years. Mm-hmm. Or two years, at least. I think it's three, Lori. It feels like it's been I, I forever. I do feel like it, too. I guess they signed a post-nuptial agreement in 2007, one year into their marriage. And Lisa Marie Presley claims that Michael Lockwood's assertion that he doesn't remember signing or agreeing the post-nup is nonsense. She said, of course, he was completely aware. He had a lawyer um, they negotiated the agreement. Yeah. He's basically, does this court believe the word of, this is her attorney, believe the word of Lockwood, who clearly has much to gain economically by feigning amnesia or ignorance? Right. right. I mean, there were people in the room. Yeah. That is desperate. But I feel like That's he a has move. been desperate. just smoke and mirrors yeah. since the beginning. I bet she just feels... You know what? It's she- interesting. That what would Freud say about Lisa Marie Presley, daughter of Elvis? She dies. Her dad dies when she's nine. She yeah. gets put into Scientology by the time she's 11. She picks, you know, her first husband. She's like 19. He's a Scientologist. Then she gets together with Michael, Michael Jackson. Jackson. Then, then Nicholas Cage. Yes. Then this guy. Would, it, would Freud say she's daddy issues? Dad. Yeah, right. That's what I would think. Freud would say daddy issues. Daddy issues. Right. Like searching. See, it's just terrible. So anyway, I, I hope that she's like getting everything together therapy. and therapy and all of that because, gosh, she was under the thumb of Scientology for so long and her mom dragged her into it. Yeah. Her mom better be, be um, helping her out financially. Helping her out. Or, she's taking the kids a lot. Yeah, I know that. I think the twins. she is. You know that... I think I think she she is, but her daughter Riley Keough that she had with her first husband, the Scientologist. I couldn't watch that girlfriend show the second year on on it Stars. Wasn't as it good. was so bad. Yeah, it was good the first year. It was kind of sexy, right? It was sexy, but the, yeah. I wouldn't. It, yeah, well, she had like a midlife, or what do you call it when you have a, a quarter of a century crisis and put like some. She tattooed it like a big, huge, big, huge flower right in the middle of her. 
um, chesticle, really? you know, on, on her cleavage. Riley did this? Yes. Yeah. Okay, you know that's so funny. I'm Lori. calling it a quarter of a century, century. tattoo mistake. I like the chesticle. It's mm. so, okay, so um, I. Um, but if she likes it, I I. Guess. I, I, I don't want to wear the same shirt for the rest no, of my Lori, life. No, Lori, you're yeah. like me. And there's this one gal at Splan. I go to, you know, and she's an assistant, and I look at her and I go, oh. How many new tats are you going to put on? You know, yeah. and I just razz her about her tats. Yeah. And she goes, I got one here. And I said, that looks like you put your a blue dabber on your elbow and it's yeah. and it dried. She goes, well, look closer. It's something else. I'm like, what is wrong with you? How are you going to like that blue dot for the rest of your life? She just laughs at me. And we just have these funny conversations. But it is just a generational thing for me. Yeah. Oh, I don't completely. want... And, she, you know, and whoever you are, I just could never imagine having the same thing necklace on for the rest of my life. Yeah, that is it for it's, us. It's for us. We anything. just, we can never imagine how permanent no. permanent is. And, and um, you know, like I, I remember my first, uh, my niece who's like 30 and she was getting her first tattoo. And I said to her, I said, whatever you do, don't ruin a spectacular black tie dress area and she's yeah. like what do you mean Shoulders, i said shoulder back front of your arm around i said any place where you i said envision yourself on the arm of prince harry i believe i used him specifically what does she go and do puts elvis right on her damn shoulder elvis elvis right on her really? shoulder oh gosh and now oh, yeah. i'm looking at that flower rose that is right third Riley light Q. they're they're Calling it third life crisis. No, it's a quarter of a century. A uh, little whatever. Oh. I do like this picture of kind of these uh, that Donnie posted of the bizarre fall fashion issue. I think it's a I great idea because they did celebrities with their kids. Yeah. yeah, and I that I'm now down to just getting one fashion magazine. Bizarre. I've That's cut the out only one L. That, yeah, I've cut out In Style. I feel bad about it. I glamour. I hate their new icon. It just looks so dumb. I like glamour still. Um, but anyway, but Bizarre is a great fashion magazine, and really, honestly, Kanye and his two kids—they look so cute. And that little Saint West got his—that's his first cover. He looks really cute. I think North has been on a cover with her mom. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's a bunch of them. Lionel Richie's posing. Mariah, Christina Aguilera—it's really cute. I'll be surprised yeah, to see person. which one. If you subscribe, which cover you'll get? You know, because they divide oh, it yeah. up. Oh yeah. All right. Anyway, we'll be back. I It'll guess we got to play. Surprise. We got to play a terrible game.